0: felt so much safer and also I was with my my kind of fam I was with my community I was with women I felt safe with and they weren't trying to make me sit on their knee which happened.
1: Hello <gasps> hustlers
2: welcome to that freelance life podcast the show where we discuss the how-tos the ins and outs and the highs and lows of creative freelance life in London. I'm Brittany Beebe and I'm Harris Stockwell and we're creative freelancers here to guide you. Please note we do
1: recommend you try this at home Welcome back, guys, to that Freelance live
2: podcast. It is wonderful to have you with us. Hope you've been enjoying the journey thus far. It's great to be inside your ears. Yeah, (laughs) that's
1: funny. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so a really exciting episode today. I think something that needs to be talked about more of how to deal with hard conversations, it's... Amazing, because when you think about a relationship, um, an intimate one, one of the number one things they say is communication, communication, communication. Yet, when you're in the workplace, sometimes that feels like the hardest place to communicate something. But potentially, more things would be solved and less issues would be had if we all
2: just shit spoke, like communicated. Share those tough topics, like talked about those tough topics. I think sometimes we get really nervous because it can often look like challenging authority. Yeah, You know, if your boss does something or says something that you don't like or don't feel is appropriate, it's hard to challenge um, a figure of, of authority. It's really difficult to start that um, conversation and to stand up for yourself. I know that you and I have both experienced this, you know, for ourselves.
1: Yeah. Something that we actually lost a night's sleep over. And when we both came to each other in the morning, said it was amazing we both were like actually I'm not this is not sitting comfortable with me and we decided to take the initiative and approach the person who was completely uh shocked and 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 absolutely apologetic and not to say that this can always happen but really was grateful that we did bring it to their attention um of how they spoke to us so one
2: great thing that did happen from it is when we did stand up yeah, absolutely. I think there's also, um, you know, the experience we've all had recently of having to speak online to one another. It's very difficult to time interjections and to time saying things at the right moment so that it doesn't feel like you're overstepping or overspeaking on top of someone and kind of cutting them off so that can also be a problem that we have chatted to people about in the past
1: yeah so you got cut off in mid-client presentation which was really incredible that she actually they'd gone to the next slide already and britney was only halfway through the slide but britney just actually carried on <laughs> carried on <speaking. laughs> finished my slide this the slide. finished the sentence no matter was on the next slide um uh, yeah And that's amazing. Some people,
2: you know, it's not everyone, not everyone can do that. And it takes a lot to take courage, but it also courage comes from having done it before. And every time that you stand up for yourself and every time that you have another of these hard conversations and challenge a, a sort of treatment that you don't appreciate or don't want for yourself, it gets a little bit easier every time.
1: Totally. So in, in that regard, I've gone through like quite a lot of therapy and I'm quite open speaking. And Brittany and I experienced just within a general team that the team itself weren't really speaking nicely to each other. And we had obviously working remotely and online and it just felt like it was everyone's just at each other. And we decided to we had check ins every single morning and we decided to utilize one of the mornings and say before we even get into anything further from here, let's all just talk about how we've all been feeling and like drop the work drop the pens and let's you know give a little bit of space for the tenseness that is surrounding this whole team and opening up and sharing how it was making us feel and then finding out how everyone else was feeling and it was this cathartic moment that everyone really appreciated and afterwards Britt was like do you think you're better at kind of holding these space and talking about it because you've had therapy and things like that And potentially that is, and every time it gets easier, it becomes easier to manage with other people. But if I'd first started
2: at that agency and hadn't known that, I'd probably just keep taking the abuse. Another hard topic for us was challenging an agency that we'd really loved working with that had unfortunately been really late in paying our invoices. Uh, we didn't realize at the time um, and probably a couple of weeks later realized that they were running late with their payments. Luckily, we had a really open and positive chat with them. You know, Harriet and I tried to keep all discussions open and, you know, really relaxed. We love to keep, make sure that like to- no topic is off the table. Really, We're not here to burn bridges, you no, know, we are exactly. so reliant on our network. Exactly. Luckily, we had a really great working relationship with the agency and we were able to have a really easy conversation with them. We did also bring up the fact that, you know, there is the Late Payment of Commercial Debts Interest Act of 1998, which entitles freelancers to claim £40 late fee upon non-payment of debts after the agreed-upon time frame. Um, In fact, after that, uh, after a further 14 days, additional interest is charged. So you can actually charge another 8.5% of interest on top of the forty pound late fee, so that that uh, those invoices actually continue to incur interest the longer those um, those debts stay unpaid.
1: And I guess the relationship we had with this agency, they were more than happy to, to pay, pay that, and that was great. And that doesn't always happen, but the what Brittany just read out to you now, we actually found in Alex Holder's book, "Open Up, um, Let's Talk About Money," and. That was so helpful to know that. We've shared it with all of our friends so and freelancers. So many people. And that is, uh, yeah, really helpful.
2: So another time that we had to stand up for ourselves was with overtime. So we were working in an agency that really kind of wanted us to clock continuous 16-hour days, work weekends, basically just never take a break. Um, and, you know, we we are still kind of defining the boundaries. These boundaries, of course, for us are flexible, but they are boundaries on our terms. So yeah. if we decide that we're going to work overtime on a weekend, it's going to be for a rate that we expect um, and if we have the time and capacity and ability to do so.
1: Because, I mean, work being freelance, the beauty is that you do get paid overtime and that is a bonus. But sometimes the money doesn't equate to the state that it puts you in. Our bodies, our mindsets really take a knock um, and it's not always worth it. So having learned those boundaries and and still figuring it out, but definitely getting stronger on it. Of being clear,
2: we now are very clear and we don't take any meetings before 9.30. Absolutely. We also make sure that any overtime that we work is charged out at one and a half times the day rate that we work for. This is a non-negotiable. And if it's not approved before the time it's needed, it's simply then a no. Yeah, we have um, worked with a couple of great resource managers and they all seem to feel the same way about this. That if overtime is needed, then there's been very poor planning and that is not a failure on your part as a creative to have not had the work or, or not been able to get the work done in the time frame. It's that the time frame simply wasn't actually thought about properly.
1: I mean, if you are someone who does take more time and you're going to need those extra hours, then cool. Like, you that's know, up to you. That's yeah. up to you. Um, but we are, understand we can try and meet our deadline. Obviously, if the deadline is also unrealistic,
2: we're not shy to say. Absolutely, 100%. So these are all experiences where we have actually used our voices, we've stood up for ourselves, um, you know, and we feel really good about it. And we definitely would encourage all of you to do the same. This is not to say that there haven't been moments where we have not stood up for ourselves. We definitely have a couple of those experiences too. We worked with a couple of creative directors who very blatantly took credit for work that we had created, shared it all over LinkedIn as though it was theirs and they'd made it alone. Um, That was something that we actually didn't call out, which I kind of wish we had at the time. I know. It was, Brittany and
1: I always, when we do share work that we've made, we understand that we are not the sole people that make that work. It is a team, a massive team that produces it and brings it to the world. We are one part in the cog. Uh so we believe in crediting people where credit is due and just find it's such a old school poor etiquette to be having of just like look what i made just
2: me. Yes, no work happens in isolation.
1: Another place where we didn't say something and that actually like grated me the most. I think because also I was away and in Cape Town and not on the ground here, but being undermined for our ability, just really micromanaged. There are creative directors or creative leaders who should lead and there are those that should keep making the work and should not be in leading positions. And if you will, if you want to carry on making the work, perhaps a creative director role is not necessarily for you. And, and I that's find, okay. And that's okay. I find it this weird thing... Um, in the creative industry of this hierarchy that everyone wants to achieve and get to. I mean, Brittany and I are very open in saying that an ECD or a higher role is not necessarily where we want to go to because you become more of a manager and less making the work. And that's great if if you're happy with managing people and being in that position and and, and being more involved in the business. But if you want to keep making the work, perhaps being in the higher position is not necessarily for you and i just found in this particular instance i was so micromanaged to the point of like is my opinion even valid and i didn't
2: say anything because i, I was far away but i wish i had absolutely i think oh, it's just so difficult having these conversations when often in these scenarios you're already stressed because you know you're working long hours or you're working hard to complete a project or to take it to the deadline or to meet the demands of, of, of the client. And so to have that conversation at that point in time feels like, you know, a compound of stress on you. But really, you kind of have to put these things aside because, you know, if you don't call these things out when they're happening, those people will continue to behave that way. They will continue to go on unchecked. So this happened to me as well. This was a few years ago now. So it actually wasn't an agency in London. Um, so I'm not calling out any London agencies or shaming them, but you know, I worked in a working environment with a boss that was frankly emotionally abusive. It was a toxic environment. He was sexist. Um, you know, he used profanities at work. I'm not the kind of person who doesn't swear. I swear every day, but to be sworn at is a very different experience um especially if you know it's in front of other people it's a you know a, a company that's majority male you're one of maybe 5 uh female workers in the entire company of about 50 to 60 people and all the other female workers are kind of like on the secretarial team you know you're the one of the only ones that are kind of actually working in day-to-day business operations and marketing and creative Um, You know, I had the experience of um, asking for a pay rise and being called a money hungry bitch in front of the rest of the office, uh, all in a big joke. I obviously don't, I don't stand for just being spoken to like that. Of course I don't. Um, I turned around immediately and called him a sexist pig, (laughs) which he thought was hilarious. And it basically set the barometer for what he then continued on for the next two Next year thinking and a it half was or like so, banter. Thinking it was banter. Thinking it was okay to jibe back and forth like that, just because I was able to kind of like snap back. Uh, he thought I could obviously stand up for myself and could supposedly take it. You know, it was it was an awful experience. Did you ever um, think about going to HR? So. I I did consider it I kind of it was a difficult scenario because as always what happens you worry about your job you worry about making sure that you have enough money coming in at, at the end of the month at that time I was busy saving to make the move over to London and I was worried that if I lost my job I wouldn't actually have enough in my savings I also just thought you know this guy's been involved in this company for like 25 years there's no way that they're gonna let him go over someone that started eight months ago you know
1: and I think that's
2: a perfect
1: uh, transition into our guest because this is something that she also dealt with. You know, when you're in the position of someone undermining you, but you're scared to leave because you have all these other commitments, it puts you in a position of not standing up. And that's understandable. You had goals, you had. You were in a foreign country, you, yes. you didn't um, know your own security in that aspect. It completely makes you fearful of, should I leave and just stay and endure? And I'm sure there are many people out there and who may be listening as
2: well in those positions. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And so, you know, to inspire us all to have these hard conversations, to be brave, to stand up for ourselves... We chatted to anti-bullying advocate and joint ECD of Dentsu McGarry Bowen, Sue Higgs. It took Sue 10 years to feel
1: comfortable to speak up about her bullying experience in the workplace. After writing and sharing it on LinkedIn, it picked up traction, leading to a campaign live feature and hundreds of
2: messages in her inbox of people sharing similar experiences to her. You would never know the degrading experience that Sue endured on meeting her. She is an accomplished, warm, confident woman, who has been a leading position at some of the world's most renowned agencies, Ogilvy, Publicis, Grey, just to name a couple of them. Not only winning numerous awards, but she's also been asked to judge them too. Sharing her story and some beautiful, brilliant insights in how we may all tackle bullying in the workplace, Sue Higgs. Sue, thank you so much for making the time to chat with us today. We are so excited to have you on our podcast. My total pleasure. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure. We have worked with you in the past, about a year ago now. And so we're really excited to kind of be coming back and chatting to you about a topic that is really important to us and that we feel strongly about. 100%
0: 100% and it's nice to see you IRL. I know! it's uh, exactly. actually 3D human beings, not flat on a screen. It's very exciting. I
1: know, it's so good. Even when you did see us, we weren't even together, so it's not like this know. reunion.
0: I mean, it is wonderful that the world worked like that,
2: but it's so much nicer when we can see each other. It is. So we're going to kick it off by just having you introduce yourself and describe who you are and the kind of work that you do. Okay, so
0: my name's Sue Higgs. I'm... Currently, a joint executive crepe director, but by trade, a copywriter. I've unfortunately done this, no, not unfortunately, but I've done this job for 33 years, 34 years now, and it's been a joy and a pleasure um, because no two days the same. And I think that's the excitement of the role is you never get to re- replicate the same day. And if you do, leave the industry. Yeah, uh, that's, that's basically the excitement and the energy. So, you have worked at most of the big agencies most of the big networks and uh, worked on loads of big brands I've actually been very lucky all in all all things considered not everything as I think we're going to touch upon but in general yeah it's been a good fun life
1: Why, why did you get into it why did you get into this industry
0: Do you know what? It was all a bit of an accident really um, because I didn't really know what advertising was as I don't think many people do and they Mm. still don't. It's still quite hard to explain to your parents what you actually do because they still don't really get it and when you do explain it, they're like, hmm?
2: My dad still thinks I'm a graphic designer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I had someone, when I said I was a copywriter way back, someone said, what, you put those little C's at the end of like things like Uh, actually like doing copyright? (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, there's loads of things like this. So, I, weirdly, I was quite a naughty school kid, but I was quite academic. I used mm. to muck about a lot, and but I was also quite smart. But And teachers don't like that combo. And I knew I was creative, but I was not artistic. Like, my art O-level is horrendous. <laughs> my dad kept it, I can attest. <laughs> I've seen it recently. Um, but I knew I had ideas, but I didn't really, you know, that there was a job that existed where you could have ideas. So I did my O-levels, I did my A-levels, And I bought a Mark 1 Capri, which was my first car I ever had. And it's a beautiful, beautiful car. So I was a bit in debt. So I thought, I'm not going to go to uni straight away. I need to pay for this car. I got a job, graphic assistance, which basically means photocopying. But it paid (laughs) such a lowly salary. And I was like, I've got all these O and A levels. How can I get such a like, it was like 75 quid a month. It was ridiculous. It was so, I've called a career advisor and I just said, look, I can't go and learn to write some more essays. I can do that right now. And I need to be able to do something. And they said, so uh, what are you good at? I said, well, I have these great ideas. I love thinking of stuff, but I'm not artistic. And then he literally just said, what about advertising? I went, oh, that sounds good. So recommended me a course at Hounslow Barber College, which was the greatest course of its time, obviously. (laughs) Loads of great people went through that school. There was a tutor called Dave Morris, who was amazing. And... um, Talk my way onto the course, and that was never looked back. I guess that's where it started. So you had to. It was quite funny. You had to. There was a copy test you had to do, and you had to write the instructions to how to use a box of matches, Ugh. and that's what they got you to do. And it was actually it's quite a good creative test. It's that a real is. fun that's thing awesome. to do. Yeah. Well, so so I did that, and they. I, can't, I mean, goodness knows what I wrote, but they liked what I did, and it's a two year course an HND, and it was very vocational, and it, because it was kind of near town, you got to go into you know, lots of agencies and it was a really great grounding in, you know, into into the advertising world. It's and so
1: funny because I, f- I feel like we also did a matchbox project. I think that's always like the start. Can you, in advertising, how can you sell a matchbox,
2: a box yeah, of yeah. matches,
1: like effectively?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, so it's such a good test though, it definitely. Is.
2: And if you had to summarise your overall experience in the industry, how would you describe that?
0: Oh gosh, that was a tricky one. I think overall positive. I've had I've been very lucky, but I've also had quite a tumultuous time. It's been a kind of lots of different... It's been lots of different episodes. It's been Mm. one one long series with loads of episodes, and not all the episodes have been good. Some of them have been quite challenging. Some of them have been really positive. But it's been a huge, huge adventure and... I've seen the world. I've met some incredible people. I've done things that a lot of people don't get to do. So overall, I would say it's positive and I've been really, really lucky. Obviously, along the way, um, stuff has happened because being in a woman in this industry, as unfortunately to this day, is still not uh, the easiest thing in the world. It should be getting easier. I hope it's getting easier. That's what I'm hoping for. But it's still not easy and um, kind of came through when it was quite tough I was the first woman hired in my crate department wow. in four years um, In uh, when I got my first job. And I think I've told this story maybe, but um, it was in the days pre-laptops. And so you had to write all your copy by hand and there were secretaries that would type it up for you and they hated me because I was a woman. I was seen oh, as no, a threat. That's madman vibes. <laughs> yeah, total madman vibes. And they would snatch this kind of handwritten copy and bang it out on a... A uh, typewriter and throw it back at me, <gasps> and there and I'd be mm, now. There's a little spelling mistake there. <gasps> Take it back and go back. So, yeah, I was I was seen as a threat. There was yeah, and it's then after how bow,
1: women do that to women though that we don't want to like champion each other.
0: Yeah, I think the problem the thing is though, that th- and that still pervades is there's this sense of there's if there's room for a woman, it's going to be me. Yeah. There's not it's not all of us, whereas I see the world in that, you know, the more of us the better, rather than it's me and everyone go away. I'm not I don't see um the world in that kind of art through those yeah. eyes, you know, like a lot of people do. They feel like other women are a threat. It's a bit of a Queen Bee mentality. Yeah. Sure. And so yeah, I know, I totally agree. I find it alien that you wouldn't support another woman because yeah. I'm literally, please, come up, please. Yeah, let's You're, do this together. But, which is why I think I've always really gravitated towards the production department the tv department mm. because historically and still now they're women and mm. so when i was a uh you know a junior i was spent most of my time in the tv because these wonderful women making magic you know bringing all this wonderful production to life and chatting otherwise it was just a load of old blokes drinking beer and you know being making <laughs> lewd comments you know yeah. <laughs> i don't think i knew at the time why i did i couldn't really describe it in those terms as to why i did that but looking back It's like, oh, because it was like the patriarchy were at play, you know.
2: Yeah, and you felt um, safe there.
0: Felt so much safer. And also I was with my my kind of fam I was with my community I was with women I felt safe with and they weren't trying to make me sit on their knee which happened
2: and <gasps> yeah
0: yeah yeah oh my lordy oh my and God. all sorts of stuff and you know do this do that and I just you're right it was a safe space to be you know that's
1: wild yeah it's insane um I guess like mean, from that and just mentioning you had to sit on someone's knee you made a few waves on LinkedIn with your post about bullying you an experience that you'd had um, subsequently then wrote a campaign live article about it. And why, I guess, did it become a topic that became so passionate for you to start looking to actually tackle in the industry? That's a really good question. It
0: t- it's took me quite a long while to process what happened to me because when I was bullied, I mean, it was probably 20, 10 years ago 10 years ago oh. now and that's just and the world is a totally different place to it was 10 years ago it was pre me too it was pre times up and it was kind of um still quite tough to be a woman because a lot of bad behavior was still occurring and i got singled out and bullied by this guy at work and i'm a single mum too and over the space of possibly 18 months it gradually got worse and it got worse and it's attrition it builds up you know kind of like one or two you're like no you know I can deal with this you know then then it builds and it starts going hang on this is really weighing on me and it got to the point I mean most mornings I'd go in and I'd be sneered at and like why are you here today you don't look happy what are you doing here and then I'd well I don't understand what value you give I can get more out of a junior than you he would also actively tell people account teams to not go near me even if the work was mine because I was useless so this whole campaign of bullying went on um against me it's interesting because I wrote diaries at the time which are quite difficult to look at yeah I'm sure but I'd written some things down and it's really interesting because one thing that came up which I hadn't processed at the time he said you don't like me you don't like me and I think it was an ego thing because I think what he meant by that was I could see through him. I knew that I I knew he was a charlatan, basically. Mm-hmm. And most people kind of were fangirling, fan fanpersoning around him, whereas I was like, this guy is, you know, I don't see it. And not in a disrespectful way, but in a kind of a very level professional. And he didn't like it because I didn't fawn and therefore I was singled out and I was literally put to the sidelines. I was put far away. And I made a decision, it think... got so bad, it got so bad, I made a decision that I wasn't going to have a nervous breakdown because I had young kids and so I walked out and I don't mind telling you, when you've got three kids and you're the main breadwinner, you don't walk out on jobs unless you need to, especially not of course. in those times. So it was tough but I chose, it was starting to affect me and I knew that I was going to go down and if I go down, my kids go down, therefore... It was kind of, I had no choice, you know. So I didn't really, again, there was no real conversation in those days. And it took me quite a long time to process, because also there wasn't really any, I mean, there was a guy in HR who was really, really quite helpful. But then this guy got quite successful at Cannes, and so suddenly you know he's the he's big the, guy and they the want to bring We're not the agency
1: 100 <laughs> percent,
0: he's the new kind of greatest thing since sliced bread and the lions are coming in so let's squash me so you know i would say the thing i think one of looking back one of the, the best things i did and it's advice i still give if you're feeling vulnerable and and, and you're in a space get yourself some time to get strong so yeah. i took a doctor's note I signed myself out and I got stronger again. And
2: yeah. that's a
0: really powerful thing to do because sometimes you don't realise how much it's eroded you and you do kind of get to this space. And um, and in that time, I sort of got stronger. And um, But it's still, nobody was really, people turned a blind eye. People turned a blind eye. People were a bit like, ooh, he's a bit like that. But, no, but there was no one really there for
2: me. And I think it took why? me... Why, why? People have a, a sort of like mentality of rather her than me. I, mm. I think that is. I think there's a bit of that and it's a bit like, but
0: also we're a bit scared of our... And if we go yes. and we stick with her, then he'll do it to us too. So it's best we go, oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Anyway, ha, 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 let's stick with him because we want. We know which side our bread's buttered. So it was kind of done at a distance, but no one really went, actually, that's not okay. Um. At the time, it was all very much, you know, you're right. Mm. And there was a shame. There is a shame because there's somewhere down the line, especially I think, especially on women, unfortunately, not all women, but I think it's a generally a thing is you think, is this my fault? And I think yeah. for a long time, you sort of kind of, you think, oh, what did I do? What did I do? Anyway, after a lot of... Um, I didn't really go near that, but it was bubbling in me for a long time. It was almost like this kind of little department that I didn't go into and then the lockdown obviously and I'd also had a couple of personal griefs I'd lost my mom one of my dad actually at that time I'd lost my dad and you kind of start your life changes when when you have a grief and um you take a tally of things that have exactly and you start realizing what's important and what's not and so I thought I don't need to carry this that wasn't my fault that really wasn't my fault and also it was around the time the blm movement was kind of quite rightly um being spoken about and what's going on and i was like look the industry does a lot of talking we want to invite you know quite rightly again more diverse backgrounds and different kind of people into our industry and what we're going to do bully them because the thing to me that kind of really stuck out is that there's one behavior that seems seems to get everyone is this bullying dreadful toxic mentality so I thought, you know what, I don't need to carry this anymore. So I wrote what I thought was a very unique experience about my bullying on LinkedIn, just as a purge, almost as a kind of like, I need to put this down. It's not mine. It's a kind
2: of like... I need to stop carrying this around I need to stop me. carrying yeah. it,
0: exactly that. I just don't need to carry because it's not mine to carry. It's not on me. I need to put this down. Oh, my Lord. The outpouring, it literally opened a wormhole into something that i've never seen i was like oh it was quite over overwhelming actually because the support was incredible but also the amount of people
1: stories that
0: that that came to me and the i mean mine was bad but there was a lot i mean a lot of dreadful horrendous life um changing like horrendous people hadn't spoke out and I think just to have that permission to actually name it and call it and not have the shame that I probably had about five six hundred DMs surprisingly wow yeah surprisingly and naively I thought it would just be women, but it yes, was I was going It was surprising the amount of men. I mean, that's the thing about bullying: it's indiscriminate. Men bully men, women bully yeah. women, women bully men, men bully women. It, yeah, and all of the above, all of the above, and I think it can get worse if you're kind of like um, from different backgrounds as well because oh, of the yes. sh- and, and if you carry. A bit of an other kind of thing, anyway. Yes,
2: if you're a minority in your workplace, it, you're yeah, it's that intersection between yeah. like gender, it, race, yeah. uh, ability or disability, speaking a different language, and people don't understand you. Yeah, different you. sexuality
0: you know, and, di- and anything. If you're that. a mother, yes. or you're gay, or you're, or you're from a different community, or you're not from a kind of you're from a different part of the country, or different part of the world. Anything that you're not kind of the white patriarchal archetype, then you're then you you feel really quite. Um, put down upon it's dreadful anyway so yeah it really did open up a real kind of I mean a huge kind of world of something I'd never known anything about and then campaign said you know you've obviously onto something here Because, you know, the outpouring was extraordinary. Mm. So I wrote for Campaign, which became one of the most read pieces. Because I think people, again, were like, this is never being spoken about. And I'm quite proud to say they asked, some education board asked if they could publish it to help kids with bullying in the thing. So so what I'm proud about is that negative experience turned into a positive. I mean, I still now, it's awful thing to say, but I still talk to people about... Bad experience that are going on. It's it hasn't gone away. It's very unspoke about. It brings a lot of shame and it brings a lot of kind of horrendous things up in people, um and it's still going on. And it in it in it's inexcusable and it's unacceptable, and it's something I'll keep talking about yeah. until it's not because I don't have any fear or any shame or yeah. any, it's not my fault. I did not do anything in that thing. I did not deserve that, and I want other people to know that too because it's not on them. It's on the person doing it.
2: You know, totally. It's, I mean, it's power, i was going to take a break here. <laughs> take a breath. <laughs> take it all in. It's yeah. really powerful. What do you think we can do to put an end to this? To actually stop this bullying workplace culture? I think we have to call it
0: out. We have to use our voices. The more we speak, the more that people understand. It's not okay. We just need to call it. We need to speak it. We need to call it. I always say, look, if you're, if you feel it in your gut, listen to it. It means something's happening. Talk to someone never keep it inside, never feel it's on you, call it out, talk, talk to friends, talk to people in the industry, talk to anybody, talk to me but don't keep it on you because it's not okay but yeah that's the best thing I can say is just never feel, you're not alone, you are not alone, it happens to more people. I've had people from you know CEOs of big companies right the way down to sort of people who are just starting out who felt this kind of behavior, it's indiscriminate and and you're not alone. So just talk about it because you feel lesser than... And I think that's partially what this article has enabled people to do, to feel like... Because I thought for so long it was just me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, it's just... Oh, no, it's. I, just, I got singled out because it's my fault and it's me. I must have done something. And I felt that and I get that. I don't feel that anymore. And also I want people to know that you can come through it as well. I mean, I did have some therapy as well, and that's also really yeah. helpful to talk it out with people. But it's it doesn't define you it doesn't it's not who you are it doesn't define you it's not your fault so call it and talk about it
1: yeah and it's it's easy to make you think that it's is about you especially when you pull down like him telling you you're useless what are you doing here you start thinking god am i useless yeah internalize internalize that yes oh i'm actually rubbish and this is all me and it is all me and so it is it's, it's power that you manage to see it as like okay this is not me and it is him and it takes a lot of work it to took, see that uh,
0: yeah a hundred percent but i did believe it for a while you know because because you know i think as creators, we're quite fragile and quite sensitive humans and it's we de- we deal and we dally in a lot of um subjective and opinion so you know if someone comes down you and goes you're terrible you kind of oh god am i I mean, you have to also sometimes I think it's really useful to look at the evidence. You go, well, hold on, I can't be that useless. So I seem to have some cam lines and some yeah. So I think evidentially speaking, I'm not actually that as useless as you think. So, but you know, it's tough to get there. Yeah. That takes work and it takes a while. And you know, it, it it is tough.
1: And how can I mean you as a leader, us as um people in the work environment, how can we actually nurture a holistic environment to make people feel that they can be seen and heard? and trust how do you cultivate
0: trust you know what i think you've just got to be as human you've got to be I, authentic is a very much overused word but with me as a what you see is what you get i will go and talk to anyone if i see it i will call it if someone's not okay i will go and talk to them i on eye level i don't i never nobody is ever lesser i'm not one of those uh kind of I am the people, mm. you know, everyone is important. I'm, I'm as good as everyone else is. Yeah. I, everyone else is as good as I, you know, we're all in this together. You know, we're kind of trying to do the best thing by each other. Not, you know, I work with people, not, and people don't work for me. You know, it, we're a collaboration, we're a team, and I'm as good as everyone else is, so I need everyone to be, absolutely fine and people to know that they can talk at any time there's no subject that we cannot talk about and that that's the power of speaking out again is that there's no subjects i won't hear there's no subject we can't talk. and hopefully i know that the department i work in know that they can talk to me anytime and i will stand by them i will believe them and i'll stand by them and i'll get whatever they need to sort out and i think only by talking at eye level Get move ego's no use. I mean, yeah. I mean a tiny yeah. little bit just to stand up for yourself at times. But you, it's not a useful thing. It it's just to see the industry as a whole bunch of people rather than a it's not we're not buildings, we're people yeah. doing our best. There's
1: not a hierarchy on who's mm, on what level. No,
0: not at all. I just happen to have gone gone a bit early and I've got experience so I can help people, you know. And, yeah. and that, that, that that's that's what it is. But everyone's gonna come through too, you know. I've just gone on gone a bit earlier.
1: Yeah, totally fair.
2: So for our listeners who might be experiencing bullying at this moment, how would you suggest that they actually stand up for themselves? What could they do? I think first of all they need to make sure that
0: they feel robust. You know, because it can be it's a really emotional thing because you like you say you can internalize it, you can feel very lonely and you can feel very kind of is it just me and you can really and you can put a front on as well. Yeah. So I think the first thing is is to talk to people. Is it just me or have you seen this? have you Can you see what I see? Mm. Is this? Do you feel that? Because you know sometimes nine times out of ten people are like, "Oh my God. yeah, we share a lot more than we with them you know if you've seen it, nine times out of ten that other people have seen it too. So call it in, because there's a power in numbers there's a power in consensus and not feeling alone because I think if you the more you feel connected and you know, you know that it's not just on you and it's not on you to solve. so speak to someone. Nabs is a brilliant resource. If you need to speak to somebody.
1: Okay. Um, what is NABS? If NABS you can... is
0: the um, National Advertising Beneficial Society. I think, I think it's, in an it's an acronym. It's basically like a really amazing resource for people in advertising that can go and ha- get some advice they, and support oh, for amazing. any issues going through. They're incredible. So they're N-A-B-S. If I've got the wrong acronym, apologies. Maybe you'll put it on your notes. Yeah, oh, I will. But they're an incredible resource.
2: They can really advise you. Would you say that it's important to call it out the very first time you see it happening or it happens to you or to wait until it becomes a kind of um, constant thing that you can kind of be like, oh, it's happened a number of times? I think I I think
0: it's sort of a bit of the both. Mm. You can nip things in the bud. You can nip things in the bud and kind of like. Not just wait. Say you can say to people, you know, when you said this, it made me feel like this. Can we talk about this yeah. and actually own that conversation rather than just carry it? Because the other person to give the benefit of the doubt may not know how that's made you feel. Yeah. So I think you need to own your position as much as anything else, and to point it out because sometimes people go, oh, oh, did I do that? Oh, right. Oh, apologies. My, you know, and they learn. So sometimes you can teach people as well to to, to about the effect their behaviour has on others. Maybe they're having a bad day, maybe they're having a shitty day. Fine, but don't take it on others and call it out. Don't wait until you're, like I was, like almost on my knees. Yeah. Don't wait. And HR are very hot on this now. They, they're they a lot better than they used to be. They take this stuff really seriously because you know mental health is taken a lot, mm. as serious as I've ever seen it being taken. And so, yeah, call it out, use the resources. And, you know, if it gets really bad, get a really good lawyer. I mean, there's, there's something to be said for a really good employment lawyer who can tell you your rights. Because I think in, sometimes at a point where you don't, you feel very vulnerable and helpless, to know what your rights are can give you strength. Yeah. But get yourself into a place where you feel robust enough in order to take it. Um, because, yeah, it can really erode you, it's tough. Feel.
1: And so, okay, speaking to HR, and I mean, if it gets to that stage, a a lawyer, but would you say, like, who would you speak to immediately if you were to approach about the matter? If you couldn't, you felt like you couldn't approach the person itself.
0: I think I would talk to one of my peers. I think definitely talk to one of my peers, someone in the department. Just ask around people you trust and say, is it just me? And at least connect to somebody. Or at least kind of feel that you've got a bit of a community around you or, you know, this is happening to me. What do you think? And is it this? Is it that? And just to share, you know, the old adage, "A problem shared is a problem half, really rings true. You know, just share it with someone you trust and and explain how you're feeling. Don't carry it on yourself. Yeah. You know, just even if it, it doesn't have to be in your department, you know, someone you feel akin to explain it to them and, and get their advice and get yeah. their, their point of view and and and, you know, navigate it with
2: another person. And if there wasn't someone that you could talk to, so maybe everyone in the office is actually drinking the Kool-Aid, inflating the ego, knocking to step on toes, and HR is kind of following that same pool of thought, what would you do? I mean, fundamentally,
0: at the end of the day, just leave. Yeah. Yeah, if you can, yes. you know, don't put yourself through unnecessary help, because I think also the other side is you can get really hostage into like quite stockhomed into this kind of thinking of like oh my, it was just me and I this is all I've got da, da, da. but actually stop and see a bigger picture. Is this going to define me? Am I better than this? Is there other jobs out there? Yes. So bide yourself the time and like go go low go slow go do what you need to do but find yourself a safer scenario. Don't put up with it unnecessarily the world's a big place there's other places that will take sometimes culturally you don't fit in or that you don't like them. That can happen but you, there's other places that will. It's not you. It's just sometimes these things don't work. So that in the short term, make yourself feel safe. In the long term, look for other opportunities.
1: Yeah. No, that's really good advice. And um, I mean, if there are witnesses to anything that has happened, how can we actually encourage witnesses witnesses to stand up?
0: I think it's important. I mean, when I when I was going through mine, the HR guy said to me, "It's so true." He, he I kept a diary, evidence. But it's really important to distinguish the evidence from emotion. So actually, what happened and when, just collate evidence. Mm. So this is what happened versus this is how it made me feel. And this is, yeah, this is what happened. This is what was said. This is how it made me feel. This action, there was, you know, I don't know, there was an awards night. Everyone was invited but me. You, that kind of you know yeah. what I mean evidence things that happened not like oh he was really mean to me and it wasn't it, it, it's like what evidence is it and when you start looking at the stuff you start start seeing it for what it is in evidence terms and if somebody else witnesses ask them to also I saw this mm. I heard this and as a sort of um piece of evidence I guess you know it starts to stack up to it to exactly why and it's easier to hand that over in a very mannered way trying to devo- I, I'm not trying to nullify any kind of emotion at all but the more evidence you can be around this thing because it will feel awful but but trying to try and separate the two just to put over your thing and this is what this is obviously scream shout cry in in, in you know that you're sort of in the wherever you want to with your friends over wine but you know it's just a really useful way to explain mm. yourself
2: at the time that it was happening did anyone stand up for you no
0: no that's one stood up for No no so, no, I'd have the odd um oh he's a bit oh oh but nobody stood up for him. No though. I think I I think to be fair not to be fair but everyone was mildly terrified of him mm. anyway said so he he actively created conditions of fear because he liked that. Mm. So everyone felt a something and knew that that was what it was but I just got it really bad cuz I had you know because I could see he was horrendous yeah. have you
2: ever spoken to him again has he ever no. reached out to you yeah. never no, no i, I wonder if he felt threatened probably by you mm. that's
0: that's that's kind of a bit where my therapist went with all that yeah but um you know what this when i even when i when i this has never been about a witch hunt against him because yeah. i've made a lot of pee and it's not about it's more it was more about giving it back as in it's not my fault fo- i don't want to carry your bad behavior or whatever your shortcomings are it's not i i have no desire he whatever he did it's between him and his conscious that's him to examine that's not mine so he hasn't ever and i'm not frightened of him i'm not i've sort of i've actually once saw him across a room at a do but i was like you know you don't scare me anymore he did used to scare me It was terrifying, but um, and also I just come out of a horrendous breakup, and he made that really difficult as well. With my, I had three young kids as well, and he made that difficult. So
1: yeah, what I think it has done is it's opened up the conversation, which is an amazing thing, and maybe it will resonate. And whether it's with him and it lands on him and he reassesses how he deals with things, but. it may just help other people reassess well, how they deal with things, 100%. which is really good.
0: And I think, you know, out of out of the ashes arises the phoenix and all that. The positivity that's come from this, the fact that it has been useful to help other people not suffer in silence and be able to yes. attach and have a conversations, for me, that is such a beautiful outcome to yeah. something that wasn't because I'm over that. I'm not that person anymore. No. I've moved on from that person so I can kind of draw a line. But the, the legacy of this is a beautiful thing, not for other people, but I can help I can advise because I've been there I can chat I can understand and I can empathize and I will talk till I'm blue in the face I will never stand for that kind of behavior ever again with anybody and I will also you know try and help other people to see the same that's brilliant
2: how long did it take you to get your voice back oh oh eight years a long time a long
0: time it took it took my father dying I think because I think once you've had once you've for me uh that was the worst thing in the world that was going to happen after nothing scares you so this this thing was, pff, yeah. you, nobody can scare me anymore it's happened do you know what I mean yeah. so you, you're not I you've, you get a kind of weird fearlessness about you so I'm not scared anymore so I can pff, you know and as I, a
1: leader now I think you know how to cultivate your team in a, such a like, holistic beautiful way that they 100% can rise like, rather than be down i wouldn't yeah
0: i i mean like i always say i don't care who's champagne i'm drinking as long as we're all in together yeah. you know I, I would drink anyone's champagne i don't care where it comes from let's bring it on you know like you know none of us is good as all of us so Maybe. that's what i would like to cultivate that's what i try and cultivate
1: and one piece of advice that you would give for people going through something similar i mean you've given lots of amazing tidbits but something that would really resonate or that you wish you knew
0: i think you're not alone yeah this too will pass but just find your community and stick with them and heal yeah i think i think that's what i think i would say
1: Brilliant.
0: because the truth will out it will all it, and it will pass but just hold tight and stay safe while it does
2: this feels so much like a therapy session yeah i know <laughs> it's asking. bringing up a lot of stuff for me <laughs> i once was in an int well. I was about six months into a job when the person who'd hired me turned around and said, oh, I hired you because you were the only applicant who stood up to me in the interview. And I was just like, why should I have to stand up to you? Yeah. Why is that a skill I should have to put on display? I mean, he also put yeah. you through some yeah, rigorous, Yeah, I also went through crazy, crazy hell with yeah. that their business. Yeah, you see, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit of
0: a flag, isn't it? So yeah. Someone wanted you to go through that for hip. <laughs>
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. 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 yeah. So, Sue, how can we find you? how can we find you on linkedin instagram a website um i'm all over the social
0: medias Uh, please find me um i'm i think i'm just literally sue higgs on linkedin um on my instagram lady susan Ooh, uh, because i'm so swanky and uh i sort of don't do twitter any twitter much but lady susan 101 I know. I think because I always wanted to be a Victorian lady. I always liked that idea of languishing in the country and lying on bed all day. Oh yeah. You know that <laughs> like, obviously, like you know, a rich Victorian lady. Of course, of you course. know, like a nice one. Yeah. But just could could just lie in bed and languish all day. So I think that's why I where that it. came from.
2: You also wrote a list for Clemmie Tulford's mother of all lists, didn't you? Oh yeah. It is hilarious. My we'll links.
0: I've also got um my alternate Instagram account. I've got It's called Teen Crime, where I where I document. All the misdemeanors of my teenagers, like oh, bite, like bites out of the parmesan, teeth marks in the parmesan, and like a whole punnet of strawberries that are just topped. So I just try and document some dreadful misdemeanors. Oh, I love teen.
1: that. Yeah,
0: because it, it's like, like I say, it's like living with flatmates that do fuck all. It's dreadful.
1: <laughs> my mom also used to get so cross with me. She'd be like, Harriet, this is definitely you, where it would just be the finished, like, take, like, there's leftovers and there's a tiny little bit left. Because I never want to be the one who completely finishes it. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but a it's lot. not enough for a meal for another person. Exactly. Yeah. That's ridiculous.
1: So at the end of every episode, we do this um, thing where it's a some and dim sum. So when it's anything that's happened, doesn't have to be work related, that you've really felt like, man, I've like really won this week. Um, or a dim sum is when we haven't had something <clears throat> so great, then we just eat dim sum. <laughs>
0: I've had, I guess my win-thumb is I watched the Sparks documentary. Have you watched this? No. It's the most beautiful, beautiful put-together documentary by Sparks who are the most incredible embodiment of true creativities because they didn't stop believing in themselves and doing it their way. And not only that, they were kind. And they've been going for so many decades. They're these two brothers who re just just stay true to themselves and to their art and um edgar wright's put together this documentary and it's so beautifully done the interviews there's some animation in there oh, wow. and their music and it's just heartwarming and life affirming you go what beautiful humans and they never towed the corporate line they didn't do you know what they should have done to be popular they did what they thought was true to their art and they it was beautiful documentary. So Wait, that's, can you watch it on? It's on Netflix. Oh, I think brilliant. it's just called Sparks or the Sparks Brothers or something, and it's stunning. And I've watched that on Sunday, and it was like drinking a like a hot soup or something. You know, it's it. just nourishing and yeah. beautiful. And yeah, I love
1: that. Really love
2: that. love that. I recommend. That's my recommend.
1: I love it. Love that. Brit?
2: So my Winsome is juggling many projects at once and being able to do it because I have such a great creative partner. Yeah. Aww, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, you, you know. We run around London with like recording equipment and we're writing um, concepts and ideas and scripts on tubes underground on our phones. <laughs> and then it's into a meeting when we're back and then a client presentation and then a pitch briefing. And it can't be like, done if you
1: don't trust the person yeah, you work you, with. hundred percent,
0: Eli. Ladies are superhumans oh, and you're amazing, and I love what you're doing. And I'm what I would like to say. I think I mean, I'm very lucky I've got a 50 50% female to male. I think slightly more women in my department. Stick with it yeah. because when you get to my end, everyone seems to have dropped out. Please come on the journey, please, you know, pave because I don't think we have a problem in recruiting, it's just sticking with. So, if I can help anyone, stick with. I do, I mean, I do, I'm on to do the Who's Your Mama mentorship and I really try and support that. women in the middle. So please, if you can bear it, please stay there till the other end.
2: So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. start with loads of blows. Yeah. <laughs> so it's less lonely. Exactly. Yeah. Please
1: stay the course if okay. you can, if it's possible. Definitely will. Well, my and, one summer's definitely then been this chat. It's oh. been so, so good. And it's as therapy as you say, I mean, I had a, a therapy Taxi ride the other day. I moved from Clapham to Hackney, and I feel like this week has just become this like therapeutic, healing session. So I'm yeah really glad, and thank you so much for your time. it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show. Follow us on Instagram at that Freelance Life Podcast, and drop us a DM if you've got any topics you'd like us to discuss, or you got any questions. And if you'd like to hire us as a creative team, drop us a line freelance podcast at gmail.com.